So last week I ended my message in talking about an experience I had, sort of an answered prayer, an oddly answered prayer, and really what that experience gave me was a belief in myself and even deeper than that, a core acceptance of myself that I had not previously known. Today I want to shift emphasis in this ongoing message series to where we are experiencing some belief, some deep acceptance of ourselves. And through that, know what it is to dream dreams, to grow, to be inspired. We're going to focus today on what happens to us when our dreams don't turn out exactly as we might think. Those moments of disappointment, sometimes awful, sometimes it's just a slide not coming the way that it is. Those moments of disappointment when what we thought our dreams called us to be does not turn in reality out to be true. My favorite story about dealing and learning and growing with disappointment is by Nikos Kazantzakis, the Greek author. Last Temptation of Christ introduced us the great character of Zorba. This story comes from one day when he was walking through the woods and he came upon, right in the crook of a tree, right in a little branch, he saw a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. He saw this amazing thing happening. And as he got closer and closer, he could see that it was almost starting to break out. He could see that it was struggling, that this little almost butterfly was just about to be fully, fully born. And so he thought, what I'm going to do here, I'm going to help it along. So Kazanzakis put his hands around this little butterfly through that translucent chrysalis, seeing that it was just about to break out. And he blew on it. Maybe if I warm it, it will grow and be able to break out and fly free. Well, his breath did, in fact, Help it to break out. But he recognized, Kazanzakis did very soon, that he had committed a horrible error. Because the breath that caught it, brought it to being, also made it premature in its being. And so it broke the bounds of the chrysalis. And instead of flying away, fell to earth. And struggled for a while. And then die. Kazanzakis said that there was no experience in his life over which he felt greater grief or greater guilt than in his impatience to allow this new life to come to be. Now, if any of you have ever studied your dreams, like your actual nighttime dreams, I think one of the interesting ways to approach them is to say that every character that we dream in a dream is a manifestation of who we are. Some part of it is who you are, whether you like it or not. You're the one doing the dreaming. Well, I want to approach this Kazanzaka story, taking a look at who we are. The caterpillar, the chrysalis, the butterfly, the author himself. The most obvious interpretation of this story, is that in dealing with our dreams, sometimes we can be 
like the author. The temptation of our dreams, our deep hopes and visions for who we want to become, is that the more compelling they are, the more compelling they seem, the more we are impatient to have them realized. Like an episode of The Simpsons I just saw the other day. Mo, the bartender, wants to take the bar and make it into a family food restaurant, Uncle Mo's family feed bag. And so he buys from the army an industrial strength flash fryer. And when it's delivered to him, he says, it can flash fry a buffalo in 45 seconds. And Homer whines, but I want it now. Well, Homer's dreams revolve around fatty foods. But I think our dreams probably revolve around some deeper stuff. Sometimes our dreams do not come true because... We cannot wait. And so if we remember and learn what it is when our dreams cannot come through, we have to remember to focus on not just the outcome, but on the steps. To learn to allow the color of our dreams to color every single day that we walk towards our dreams and not just the very end. I was reading about two years ago about Olympic athletes who overcame the disappointment of not just losing, but also the disappointments of winning. The disappointments of winning. That they had achieved everything they had set out to do and struggled for all those years, and they got to the end, and the next day was just a letdown. You know, it was those moments the Super Bowl trophy's been won, and the MVPs walking off the field and said, where are you going? We're going to Disneyland. Well, the way to avoid that kind of disappointment in your dreams was actually, I think, something I heard from a marathon runner a couple years ago after she had just finished a marathon. They asked her what she was going to do. She said, tomorrow, I'm going for a run. To allow the steps and not just the outcome to determine the color of our dreams is to learn what it is to not be disappointed by our dreams. So Buddha is saying that I love very much. You are entitled to the work, not the reward. Because in the end, if you approach life this way, you will get both. The work will become the reward, and every day can be full. Now, sometimes upon second glance, upon looking backward at dreams that were unrealized for us, the ones that didn't materialize or take flight, we actually can experience not just disappointment, but gratitude. There's a Quaker phrase that I really love. It's called, when way closes down. Think about right now, just what comes to mind for yourself. When you look back at your life and think, oh, I really wanted that relationship to be the one, or I really wanted that job, or I wanted that move to be the one that would make me happy, and yet you sit here today with those dreams not having materialized or come true, and yet you feel grateful that they did not. That's what the Quakers mean when they say, when way closes down. What you thought you had to have, the dream you thought to have realized does not, and that you realize because that dream did not come true you were liberated to go on and grow in a way you wouldn't have if you would have gotten what you wanted back then. I want to talk to you for a second about a weekend that changed my life when I was 15 years old. I was on not a vacation, but what I considered to be a furlough from boarding school. That weekend, well, I also got the worst haircut of my life, and I was with my, one of my coolest friends, one of my absolutely coolest friends in the world. He lived in New York City, and this is before my family had moved back to New York City, and I went with him to a place called Astor Place Haircuts, which is where the cool kids went to get their haircut. Mine didn't quite take. When I returned to uh, boarding school, right up here in Pottstown, on that late Sunday night, a friend of mine said, accurately, but not so charitably, you look like an egg with hair on it. 
That was not the reason why this was one of the best weekends of my life. It's because I saw one of my favorite bands for the first time, 15 years old at the Ritz down on 11th Street on the Lower East Side, and I saw The Replacements, great band in the 80s. Up until that point, I'd been a fan of Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones. I'd always felt like I was you know, brought up in the wrong generation. I went to that replacement show, and I found my generation, my sound, my song. And the replacement's probably best-known song at that point was a song called Unsatisfied, and it has this line, everything you dream of is right in front of you, and everything is a lie. Now, maybe this is just typical teenage angst, (laughs) the inability to accept what you've been given and just deal with it and just love it. Just accept the blessings that are there. But maybe, maybe the replacements were also channeling some deeper wisdom. Like the opening words of Dante's Divine Comedy. Sort of the most wonderful articulation of a midlife crisis that has ever been. In the middle of our journey of this life, I found myself within a dark wood where the straight way was lost to me. There is the opportunity at times when our dreams do not come true in the way we thought. To hear the deeper voice and the deeper call. It is the gratitude sometimes that we can go beyond being half-heartedly brokenhearted. That we actually can experience true disappointment. Half-hearted brokenheartedness, you can hear it in the voices of people who just complain. Day after day after day. After day, a kind of dissatisfaction that never finds resolution, but always lands on the objects that are there. The problem with being half-heartedly brokenhearted is that we will suffer from the symptoms of a disease that we will never understand a real cure for. And so, sometimes when our dreams falter, I encourage you, be fully brokenhearted. Experience what that moment is like and what those moments are like. Because you might recognize that down below that layer in which those dreams had been planted, there is even a firmer, deeper level of soil that you are next being invited to plant your dreams in. And your dreams will find greater nurturance there. When we're really willing to work for our dreams and struggle with them, suffer with them, what we know as well is that it takes honesty to dream. Is not illusion. Sometimes when our dreams fail and we are disillusioned, we will come to realize it's only because we had illusions in the first place. We are not in touch with reality. Dreaming can be lonely, lonely work. And so it's important to know, important to remember that there's another part, not just the caterpillar in the chrysalis who is isolated, but to remember that there is also connection in our dreams as well. Whenever someone I know is about to launch a great new job or a great new relationship, something that feels like the coming to be of a dream. One of the things I encourage them to do, and I encourage myself as well, is to make sure that you are not surrounded by yes men and yes women. The kind of people who likes kind of like, you know, the queen in Snow White. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? Well, of course, the queen, she thinks that every day she is going to get the same answer to that. She is, of course, the fairest one of all. And that mirror is just saying, yes, 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 until one day it doesn't. And then who's the problem? Not her, Snow White. 
It is very important to remember in pursuit of our dreams that we surround ourselves with truly honest people who can give us feedback of what life actually is so that we are not just living an illusion. This radical honesty from true friends, it is a great, great gift because it helps us to face the fear that sometimes comes with our dreams, the fear of the new. And not just the fear of the new, but also overcoming that fear that something old is dying so something new can be born. Planting a new dream at the same time that it's beginning is also an end. Beyond our illusory attachments, beyond false dreams, there is that deeper reality to which we are called. Now, for those of you who've been around for a little while, I've talked to you about the fact that I'm sober, blessedly sober, in recovery, as they say. But what I don't think I've ever told any of you is that I got sober six weeks after I started this job. Now, let me give you this one really important caveat, folks, and I want you to hear this. You do not keep me sober. Wellsprings does not keep me sober. This is my call and my journey. But within the first six weeks of starting this new congregation, there was a question, and not a question, more like a hammering at the back of my head. It wasn't just a hangover. That said, here, you are being given an opportunity. And are you serious serious about wholeness? Are you serious about modeling and teaching and living the kind of human wholeness that is promised to each and every one of us? Or will you continue living a half-life? My answer to that was yes. Of course, letting that part of myself die was not easy. But I had the guide of great teachers to bring me on my way, one of whom is Rumi. Rumi, who encouraged us, learn the true alchemy that all human beings know. The moment you accept the troubles that you've been given, the door opens. The moment that you accept the troubles you've been given, the door opens. The caterpillar in the chrysalis is uncomfortable. <laughs> the caterpillar in the chrysalis becoming a butterfly, before it becomes a butterfly, it struggles. It is not easy in there. True dreams, the realization of them, or if they fail, they will make us uncomfortable. Some years ago, I read a book called The Messenger, and I have no idea where that book got, and I can't even found it on Amazon. Maybe I invented it. But it's about a bike messenger who takes an absolutely transforming trip through China. And I was so struck by the opening words in the book that I wrote them down, even though I cannot find the book anywhere. The book begins on this inauspicious note. Back from the mountain, another failed expedition... Two months of cold and struggle and unfulfilled dreams. Nothing worked out as expected. 
I no longer know why I am here. It gets better from what I remember. But sometimes when we have lost our way, like Dante, sometimes we are no longer clear about exactly what our life means. Sometimes when nothing has worked out as we hope, that is the moment at which a new dream can be born. Because all the false comforters have flown away and we are left with truly needing to find something that is reliable. See, in dreams ultimately begin responsibilities. There's a poet who said that in dreams begin responsibilities, not the unrealistic dreams that are easy. It's really easy to come up with those. As someone in recovery, I know what those are like. And by the way, those aren't dreams. Those are fantasies. They're really cheap. They are really, really cheap. Realistic dreams are hard because we are accountable. And we have to walk them every day of our lives. This past week, I was reading a baseball blog written by a real Yankees fan like myself. If you're a Yankees fan, A-Rod, I don't want to hear it right now. We'll talk afterward. But this guy named Alex Belf, who's a wonderful, very soulful writer, he's reflecting on another fallen hero, another fallen icon, and it leads him back to reflect on his father, who was his first fallen hero that he knew in his life. He writes, my dad was not a mediocre man. He was exceptionally bright, charming, and exuded self-confidence. At one time, he had the world on a string. He was a real comer. But it crumbled his dream, and so did he. He was a dreamer who dreamed big, grandiose dreams. It wasn't enough to start small and eventually to succeed. It had to be Bafo right from the start. In the end, he was a failure in his professional life. He drank himself out of the marriage to my mom. He talked the talk, but he fell down a lot. Unfortunately, Alex Belf's dad could not learn the words that Springsteen sang when he was trying to give birth to himself at another point in the artist's career. He said, some days these childish dreams must end to become a man and grow up to dream again. Dreams require that we must learn and relearn and unlearn and put in new stitches and take out old stitches so that, so that, Our dreams can be honest and real. And we will not, when we will fall down, be unable to rise once more. That's really important. That is the most important thing in our dreams, is to recognize that we will all fall flat on our faces, sometimes because life will not exactly give us what we think we want, and sometimes because of our own error, and sometimes because of our own ego. At that point, we hope, we hope that we are blessed with the opportunity to sing a new song in our dreams. I'm going to show you something right now. It's one of my favorite moments from one of my favorite movies. It's a movie called Almost Famous. How many of you have seen it? All right. I don't need to do too much explanation here. It's a story of a band that is just about perhaps to strike it big, strike it rich in about 1973. And there's a lot else going on in the scene here. I'm just going to ask you to focus on the story of the band themselves. Well, as they start to become more famous, more successful, what happens? The egos start to come to the fore, and they start to battle for the spotlight. And so in the scene immediately preceding what we are just about to see, the band's T-shirts have come out. 
And it's three guys in the back, and it's the guitarist in the front. And boy, does that make the rest of them really, really pissed off. And so the guitarist heads out. He parties all night. He put all kinds of substances into his body. And what we're going to see right now is the aftermath. The aftermath of when he rejoins the tour bus. Their egos were so crowded they would not fit on the bus. And so this band that had prided themselves on their song, they needed to remember the simplicity of singing someone else's song. They refound their voice and their dream when they remembered to sing together. Sometimes that all, that's all it takes when we remember our dreams. We gain wise hearts in our journey, whether it's on a bus or whether it's even approaching the end of our lives. If we know that the final form of any dream, whether it comes true or whether it fails, the final form of any dream is completed in love, whether it turns out the way we want or not. Years ago, I knew an adult child who had had a horrible relationship with her mother. And as sometimes happens, they made up after not talking for about two decades. They made up, forgave each other, and talked about the grandmother getting to know her grandchild and perhaps everything being all right. Within a week, mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Very, very rapidly deteriorating. Very sudden. And if you've known anyone who has had Alzheimer's, you know that it is not an easy ending. But towards the very, very end, when the fits and the tears and the grasping for the memories and the dreams that are gone, were over. And mother was in a nursing home. Her daughter would go and get into bed with her. And she would brush her hair. And she would hold her. And she would kiss her. And she would tell her, I love you. The dream did not turn out the way they would have hoped. But at the end, at the end, there was love. Everything had come full circle. The child had become the parent, seeing the parent off into the next. In our dreams, as C.S. Lewis said, there is only the trying. The rest is none of our business. The most any of us can do in pursuit of our dreams is to give ourselves fully and honestly and have the hope that maybe our small efforts given and offered in love can be completed by the larger work of this universe and that our wise hearts can recognize their equal and their partners in others. Amen. May you live in blessing.
pray together. God, eternal spirit, found in the mightiest dream and in the smallest chrysalis. We know that this call of life, of becoming, never ceasing, always ongoing, is here with us right now. I pray that all of us in this room, those who dream fully and those who feel there are no more dreams left for them, that we can look upon this life always, always as an invitation to grow, to know that what we are now is not what we will be, to know that that call echoes of wholeness and peace, and love, and joy, all the days of our lives. May we have the honesty, and the grace, and above all else, the willingness simply to try, and find in that full effort a true and deep love. Amen.